and what I remind people of that as well is like, who's going to be at your funeral? Who do you go home to at night? Those are the people, those are the things that should have top priority in their lives. The one thing that I told myself when I started on this journey is I wanted to do three things. One, I wanted to have a job that I didn't feel like I always had to be planning a vacation away from. Two, I wanted to wake up with an alarm clock. And three, I wanted my kids to look back during this time in their life and to be like, yeah, my mom's a total badass. Instead of, oh, my mom's a doctor. We don't see her much. And I think I'm doing all three now. And But that's where I like bring my focus. Those are my like end goals like you talk about. And I think it's just so important to have that. Like that is my non-negotiable. Like I don't want an alarm clock more than one day a week. And I live that life. And it's pretty amazing. That's amazing, right? I, I think you have painted a pretty beautiful picture for yourself and you got yourself there. Hey there, my friend. Welcome to the Powerful and Passionate Healthcare Professionals Podcast. I'm your host, Sabrina. I am a cardiothoracic surgery PA with a background in public health and neuroscience. I'm also your peak performance coach. I had to say no to working extreme long hours where I was always on call and feeling exhausted, underappreciated, and undervalued, and said, heck yes, to a life and career that elevates my energy and passion without compromising my health and sanity. Now, I'm among the mission to support ambitious healthcare professional like you with a demanding career to become a confident leader who are living purposefully and fulfilled to truly be both a powerhouse in your career and a passionate person in life. Let's start our journey today. Welcome, guys. This is Sabrina, your host for another episode of the Powerful and Passionate Healthcare Professionals Podcast. And today, we have the honor of having Dr. Erin Messman with us. She is a physician, a life coach, a speaker, and a fierce advocate for all of us to have wellness in medicine. And she was similar to my journey, had the professional burnout and really in her early stages of her career and spoke openly about her story in order to help others just like her, especially female physicians and working moms. She has beautiful kids and she knows she's not alone. So that's why she is here to share her story, her journey, how she's able to now do both, still be a clinician and having a thriving coaching business for others. Welcome, Erin. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Sabrina. Thanks for showing up. And I can only say a little bit about you, but I know you have so much information and story to tell our audience. So please give us a little bit background of what's medicine like for you before and how did you pivot out? Yeah. Well, you may have to bleep me because I'm a hashtag potty mouth mom, but... <laughs> 2014, the worst effing year of my life. It was supposed to be the point at which I had summited the mountain. I had finished residency. I got my big girl job, the house, moved the family in. And I knew within weeks of starting that job, like, holy shit, this is the next 30 years of my life. Around me, my friends, my family were like, aren't you so excited? Like, you're done. You did 
it, big diploma on the wall, the white coat with my name on it. I mean, the whole shebang. And yet I just remember sitting at my new desk with my new computer, seeing my new patients and being like, what is wrong with me? Like, this is this wasn't how it was supposed to be or feel or how I was supposed to just like trudge through the day. I literally felt like I had a Dementor following me from room to room to room, slowly like sucking the happiness and the joy out of my life. And I didn't even know where it had started. I just knew that I was somewhere on the spectrum of numb in emotion to just these outrageously huge, big emotions and just couldn't even identify. I got a hold of my med school best friends, my residency colleagues, and was like, Hey, oh, um, how are you doing? <laughs> you know, asking for a friend kind of thing. And what I realized that many of them were either really thriving in practice and loving what they were doing, or they were in a similar boat to me. And those ones that I talked with, I was like, what do we do? Like, like, what do we do now? Do we just quit and like figure it out and like run from the government who are going to chase us down because of all our students? Like, what do we do? And nobody really had an answer. And so I'm definitely mouthy. And so the next place I went was like my new office manager. She had helped me all through the credentialing process and like the recruiting and bringing me there to the new practice. And, you know, hers was like, yeah, it's really hard. And you've been through a lot of change. Maybe you just need to start on like an SSRI or something and it'll get a little bit better. Well, that didn't placate me. And so I went to the next level up and literally talked to my medical director. And at that point, she told me, well, that's kind of why I went to administration. So I don't know, maybe you should go get like a master's in business or leadership training. Well, that didn't sit well with me. So then I went to my CMO and was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know this feeling without trying to sound super crazy because I was so worried at that point. Like, oh my God, what if I get reported to like the state medical boards and like they think I'm incapacitated or not able to take care of my patients. So it was like this whole juggling act of like shame and guilt and emotions and momming and doctoring and trying to keep myself together. That one night, I remember just sitting on the edge of my bed. My kids were watching TV in the other room as Paw Patrol on the TV. And I just remember silently sobbing and being like, not this. My heart was just like, not this. And in her book, Pray Love, Elizabeth Gilbert talks about like those quiet moments. And it was definitely one of those quiet moments in my life that I remember asking myself, then what? And and I don't know spiritual beliefs or whatever, but I know at that point something sparked inside of me that says, you'll be okay. And I just had to hold to like nobody else had the answers. So I was literally Googling, how do I turn my CV into a resume? Because I was like, peace out, MFers. Like, I'm done. I've got to figure something else out. Nobody else has any answers. So I'm going to do what I tell my patients not to do. And that's Google things. And I started Googling things and I found thousands of other clinicians like me. And some of them were doing like direct patient care practices, or they were like leaving medicine altogether, or they were like opening up Botox shops or like tattoo removals. And I was like, none of this fits me. Like, what do I do? And so I came across a couple different websites about coaching. And I was like, okay, maybe this is what I need to do. Maybe I need to just get coached because I was not at any point going to like go to a psychiatrist because I knew like I really wasn't depressed. Like it wasn't that something else was going on, but I just felt like I had blinders. And so I started, it was the first time I've ever bought an online program, started doing this program. And again, me being a little bit sassy, I was like, I got to talk to this woman. So I scheduled what I now know is a discovery call and I talked with her. And within those 30 minutes, I was like, 
here, take my money. If you heard me, you relate to me, you've helped show me that it's going to be okay. And so that was my first experience. And getting coached just fundamentally changed my perspective in so many different ways that by the time we were halfway through and nearing the end of our coaching relationship, I was like, other women need this. There are other women in healthcare who are just like me. I know because I was on the phone with them. I was texting my best friends. We need this in our lives. And I didn't see anybody else in the space who was doing it quite like the way that I thought it needed to be done. So I went and got coaches training at the time I was still practicing and then started. So that was about 2015, going into 2016. And kept having those changes, kept having those internal shifts, those new awarenesses, just thought, wow, I've got to get this out into the world. And it was actually in 2016, kind of my like coming out of the closet type story that I just got this huge surge of people into my inbox where that were like, yeah, me too. Me too. And I started having conversations and being scared to death that I wasn't going to be able to help these people, but using the coaching skills that I had gotten. And yeah, five years later, I'm still doing those things. I've made big pivots in my life. I'm now what I call a hybrid physician. And I can truly say the grass is greener on the other side. That's so good. And thanks for being so truthful to share that story. I feel like you know my journey. Many audience know my journey. And it's that in the early days, you can be two ways. It could be Aaron, where she just hit a wall really quickly. Is this really what I wanted to do for the next 20, 30 rest of my life? And versus me was the one who's like, let's keep going. Let's, let's get, build my resume up and let's do everything. And then you hit a wall really quickly too, because when you don't give yourself a break, you don't know how to put a break on when you're driving high speed down the road, you're bound to hit something, right? Oh yeah. You literally burn out your engine. It blows up and starts smoking. Exactly. It's like you don't even put gas in your tank and you think you're going to go from across the state. And it's nuts that we are in these positions because we're so smart, we're talented, we can learn anything, we can solve everything. But then we put ourselves into a pedestal feeling like, well, that's not that exciting anymore, right? And from Aaron to truly feel like, oh my gosh, like I got to have someone to look at me, really talk to me, not just like from an outsider looking in and observing. And I feel like that's both our journey. That's why we connected so much is you hit a point, you have to look for help and then figure out your own system because you know that many people are not doing the way that you do it. And we all train differently. We complement each other, but there are just so many people that need help. And even we can't all be out there, we can't possibly help everyone. Mm -hmm. Well, and what I call it too is everybody has their own special sauce and it's going to resonate differently, you know? And so you have to put your special sauce out into the world and it's not going to be for everybody. There are going to be some people who buy a carton of your special sauce every month because they love it that much. And those are truly your people and those are the people that you can most help. And that's the really scariest part going from what I felt like where I had really layered up and like made myself so generic. I remember my oldest 
It was like on one of those Mother's Day quiz, like, what's your mom's favorite thing to wear? And he put black pants. You know, because all I ever wore to the office was black pants. Because in my mind, I had programmed it. The story I was telling myself to be a good, respectable doctor, you wear a button down shirt and black pants and your white coat. And when I realized it and I sat back, I'm like, do I even like wearing black pants? And I'm like, no, no, I, I, I don't really like always wearing black pants. It's until you get intentional and purposeful about things and you really root into, is this really what I want to be doing? And that awareness then helps you move and take steps. We're both very much like quick starts. Like, I don't know about you, but my journey, like as soon as I started seeing these things, I was like, boom, 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 like wanting to institute them in. But realizing that in my personal life and in internally, I could make those shifts. But the culture of medicine wasn't going to allow me to have the type of schedule that I really wanted to have or work the way that I wanted to, unless I started looking outside of the four walls that I was in. So the next part of my journey, besides like entering into coaching and seeing like learning the lessons that they should have taught us in school, besides the freaking Krebs cycle, we should just delete that portion out and everybody go through some like personal development and coaching. I'm just going to put that out there. But what I really found was I had to stop letting go of other people's expectations on me because that is more about them and not about me. Like saying, okay, well, thank you. And moving on instead of at night, I'd be like, oh, my boss mentioned that. Maybe I should go to like one late night a week or "Mm, maybe we should open the clinic on Saturdays and I should start working. But being like, no, no, thank you. Like if you want that done, you need to go find someone else. And it wasn't until I was super empowered and just started kind of pushing back and putting up those barriers. And then started networking and talking with other people. Let me tell you, we met on LinkedIn. If people are not on LinkedIn, that is the absolute best place to make connections, to have conversations, to expand your horizons on what is possible. And so it was actually through LinkedIn where I was just starting to like look for different jobs. Like what are the possibilities? And of course, like when you type in like family medicine physician, you know, you get the traditional like eight to five, Monday through Friday, no inpatient, no OB, like that kind of stuff. But I knew like, no, that's what I'm doing now. Like, I'm not going to trade apples for apples. I want something fundamentally different. And so the first thing that I did was just really push on my organization and say, like, I can't be a full FTE anymore. I feel like I'm drowning. I have got to at least have some time and space. And I know that we both resonate with rest and recovery. And so that was my first step. The Monday, Wednesday, Fridays that I was there in the office felt like a deep dive to the very bottom of the swimming pool. And those Tuesdays and Thursdays was like coming up for a breath of air and like laying on a big pink floaty and just like, okay, I can do this again. And I did that for a couple years. And then I realized, okay, I don't just want Tuesdays and Thursdays to feel like that. I want the majority of my week to feel like that. And so I had to get really creative. The contract that I was in at the time had a huge non-compete. It was like 75 miles for a year. So I was totally blacked out. My husband's a farmer in Southern Indiana. You can't move farm ground. So I was like, I am not moving our family. Like I dug my heels into that. And I was like, okay, what are the high quality solutions that I can find out from this? Okay, number one, doing no medicine for a year. That felt impossible, but I knew it was an option. Number two, doing locums. Number three, like commuting and having an apartment somewhere else and, you know, setting up shop somewhere else. But then I sat back and I'm like, I don't know that I really want to do traditional family medicine anymore. 
And so like, what else? What else? What else were my options? And that's again, going back to my network, going back to my connections and just writing people and being like, hey, I'm looking for a career shift. Who do you know? What do you know? You know, I'm family medicine. I'm interested in this stuff. And just really started kind of putting myself out there in a very positive way. Not like a, I hate my job, but instead of like, I'm looking for something new. And it was amazing the outpouring that I got from friends and colleagues who were like, have you thought of this? Have you thought of that? And some of the have you thought of, again, that's more about them than me. But what did come from is a doc that I really respected. I had rounded with him when I was a college student, even before going to med school. And he was like, hey, you know, I'm working at a rural ER right now. And I think you would love doing this. He was a family medicine doc and a DO as well. And I was like, you think I could do that? And he was like, Aaron, you moonlighted in the ER all through residency. How could you not do that? And I was like, Ur. so, you know, being me, I went and took like, ATLS and also and like got all the like beefed up on my certifications again. And yeah, I became an emergency medicine physician because guess what? My non-compete was only for family medicine. So I changed fields. And you know, that's one thing people bitch about all the time with APPs is like, oh, they can switch all the time. And now what I tell doctors is like, and so can doctors, because let me tell you my story. And so yeah, I did emergency medicine just part time, a couple shifts a month paid me the same amount for working as a full-time PCP. It's ridiculous, but it did. And it gave me, again, more time, more space, more exploration where my business really took off because I had that time and space built in and I had figured out a solution that didn't hurt us as far as income-wise, but also then gave me that time to breathe. And so then fast flirting, I got through the non-compete time span and then kind of realized like, hmm, this is not my forever job. So a lot of times when I'm coaching my people, I talk about bridge jobs. Like, what do you need to do to just like stretch across this chasm until you get to the other side? So I was kind of done with that bridge job. And I thought, you know what? I'm ready. Let's launch into the business full time. Let's just like hang the white coat up and tell it goodbye. And so I did it. And I lasted three months because I realized I had a doctor shaped hole in my heart that was still there. And I needed to take that time stepped away to realize that it was a priority for me. And it was great. It was a good realization that I realized that I still needed medicine in my life, but I needed it on my own terms and on my own size dose. And so then again, back to LinkedIn, back to talking to colleagues, back to networking while I was building my coaching business, while I was doing talks and consulting and some other things, when again, through a mutual contact of connection, they said, hey, have you ever thought about doing correctional medicine? And I was like, well, I love the orange is the new black. So yes, I think I need that in my life and got some training in that. And yeah, I became a jail physician. I worked one full day a week. I took calls whenever they needed me. I would pop in there if there was something extra. But it was like that reintroduction. And I started to have third year medical student love again for medicine. And then from that, like other little opportunities would pop up. People were like, oh, do you have time? You think about being a medical director or have you thought about being a faculty member at a residency? We only need you like a half day a week. And I'm like, yeah, actually I do. And so right now I'm about a 0.2 FTE. I do some telemedicine as well. So you can add in a few more hours a month with that. And it's good. It's an appropriate balance. And so I'm a hybrid physician. I run my own businesses. I have multiple now, which is pretty cool. And I still practice and I teach. And so I just want your listeners to encourage them. It's not all or nothing. It's not stay in the rat race and like your soul be dying 
or like totally exit and become a checkout lady at the local grocery store. Because that's where I thought I was going to head at. There is a way forward. And it's really digging into like, what do I want? What am I currently tolerating and will no longer tolerate? And that goes on a list. And you never do those things again if they were that soul-sucking to you. You don't go back to a full-time family medicine practice, Wiseman. That was not fulfilling to you. And then really being open. And the biggest thing, too, which I think is really hard for all of us high achievers, is being willing to be vulnerable. And that's what networking is. It's opening up. It's having conversations with people that you don't know how they're going to turn out. But let me tell you, there is magic in that. And as you meet more people, they really are willing to help you. Now, of course, there are some asshats out there who are just going to try to use you. But you use your inner spidey sense and you get to know that pretty quick. But I just want to encourage everyone out there who's listening, who's thinking like, this is not working for me. Or who are thinking, oh, well, it was really easy for her. Mm -mm. It all takes work. But the thing is, you know how to do hard work. You've done it your entire life. So why not this time do it for yourself? Exactly. So perfectly said. Yes, I totally understand the point where you feel like, oh, medicine, if you pivot, you have to get all these certificates, but it won't take you all that long. It gives you options. Yes, in a sense, APPs, we have these leverage because we were trained that way, but we are also, right, like still needed to work with physicians. So we have this comfort zone where you can pivot, but no matter what, kind of position you are, you know, you have leverage, you have the ability to solve problems, no matter what come to you, if you're resourceful, nothing becomes a problem unless you let it to be. And it's so crucial from what Aaron's saying, you, when you make that what not to do list, people start arguing with me. Well, if you tell me not to do something, I'm going to focus on it more. Well, probably you did not feel painful enough or you didn't really know what's your non-negotiable. If you have concentrated on your non-negotiable, how would you even have the time and energy to look at your not-to-do list? And it is that we have to put ourselves in our own priority. Don't drink other poison from other people telling you what to do and their expectation should not be our expectation, right? At the end of the day, no one take care of us as well as we can do ourselves. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely true. Absolutely true. And what I remind people of that as well is like, who's going to be at your funeral? Who do you go home to at night? Those are the people. Those are the things that should have top priority in their lives. The one thing that I told myself when I started on this journey is I wanted to do three things. One, I wanted to have a job that it didn't feel like I always had to be planning a vacation away from. Two, I wanted to wake up with an alarm clock. And three, I wanted my kids to look back during this time in their life and to be like, yeah, my mom's a total badass. Instead of, oh, my mom's a doctor. We don't see her much. And I think I'm doing all three now. And But that's where I like bring my focus. Those are my like end goals like you talk about. And I think it's just so important to have that. Like that is my non-negotiable. Like I don't want an alarm clock more than one day a week. And I live that life. And it's pretty amazing. That's amazing, right? I, I think you have painted a pretty beautiful picture for yourself and you got yourself there. I think all of us who are listening should feel that empower as well because you totally can do it. And the journey is long, but 
is so doable. Even you think about a perfect reality, we're all gonna feel some hardship, but it gets easier because you get better. Right. And there's no way that we can just live in a bubble and make everything just perfect, but we have the ability to pivot, to change. And I think what Erin even mentioned, she had to take herself away from medicine to realize that is actually something it drives her, it gives her energy, it's something that she pride for, make her a badass for her kids, make her a badass for her patients, for her students that she's teaching. And I think that's the same analogy, just like all of us who have a relationship. If you're so glued to your significant other, sometimes you miss how important they are And until you kind of go on a little vacation, you don't see each other for a few days, now you start missing each other. And uh, same thing with your kids, uh, your even my pet, right? Like my baby Ella, like I sent her off when I went on vacation. I'm like, oh, you know, you need to create that sensation of novelty, that missing something to realize how important it is in our life. And I so appreciate you mentioning that. Yeah. I always tell people, you got to pick your pain. Like, that's what life is. Life is pain. But you pick your pain. I would much rather it to be growth pain and to be, you know, like that shifting, changing, playing to my edge pain rather than the grind. And so I just encourage your listeners to, you're never going to be pain free. This transition for me, it had a whole bunch of blood, sweat and tears in it. But at least it was mine. And that I think is the best message that I hope to pass on to them to my children. Perfect. At least the pain is mine. At least I can be true to myself. At least I know who I am, how I want to show up to be the most powerful. Love it. Thank you so much, Erin. Thanks for to be the new fun friend. And yes, everyone, please, if you're not on LinkedIn, don't use it just like a fancy resume. There's so many things we can talk about to make LinkedIn your best face forward. All right. Like it's actually Google searchable. So I actually interviewed many expert LinkedIn specialists and then you'll see episodes as we come out to fix your banner heading about me session because this is how we show up and that's how people connect with you and simply send people a message. It's okay. If they don't reply, big whoop-de-doo. There have more people out there that are really willing to help each other. So thank you so much for pointing that out and then pointing out that we grow really organically, just like, hey, I saw you doing this. Let's connect, right? And that's all it takes. So for anybody who love you, and of course, I know they will, how can they find you? Do you want them to contact you on LinkedIn or any other form? Yeah, I love hanging out on LinkedIn. It's so much better than Facebook. Get off of Facebook. It is so loud. If you want life and love in your heart, go to LinkedIn. I'm Aaron Wiseman Dio, or I love hanging out on Instagram. I love seeing people's puppy pictures, kids' pictures, the cool things that they're doing. I feel like it's a really fresh and fun place. So you can hang out with me. My handle is truthprescriptions, truthrxs.com, 
Or you can hang out with my new account, which I'm super excited about because it's my course, Burnt Out to Badass. So you'll see a lot of fun things that if that's where you are at and you are ready to claim your inner badassery, I have got so much fun tips, so many good things coming out you there. And if you are a podcast connoisseur like myself and like Sabrina, come over to Dr. Me First. It's the podcast where it's all about us taking care of ourselves. I have great conversations with other women in medicine. We talk about life. We talk about what real things are happening and just really tell our stories because the things that you are thinking, there are probably a thousand other people who are thinking it as well. And so it's time to really break open the shame that we have in our culture. It's time to expose those hurt spots and realize like, hey, It's part of being the mess of a human and it's absolutely okay. And it's really, really beautiful. So messy hair, don't care and just show up and come hang out with me on the podcast. Beautiful. And I think we all have an inner badass. You have to just rediscover her or him. And I actually took a leap of faith. I'm actually writing a book with a bunch of other Asian women. It's called Boss Up. So yeah, exciting. That's my new projects going forward. So you have to tell me about that and we'll blast it all over. I'm so excited for you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's definitely, I know I'm a speaker. I can be on stage. I can be virtually, but I never thought myself as writer, even many people will ask me for blogs. I'm like, oh, I'm not sure. But this is take a chance, right? Like take a leap mm-hmm. of faith, just like what Erin did when she decided to quit and right, giving up medicine for a few months. Actually, at this time, she probably didn't thought of just a few months. And all of us can take this leap of faith. Yeah, play to your edge because that's where it's going to grow. Awesome. Thanks everyone for listening in. If you love Aaron, please share this episode with other people. And of course, we'd love to hear from you. So leave us a review on iTunes. We wanted to hear what other topics you want, how you're using these resources that we share today in your own life. Love you guys. Have a good day. All right, my friend, how did you love this episode? Make sure to subscribe to our show so you can continue to build your positive intelligence for that beautiful mind of yours to live powerfully and passionate. I know this just the tip of the iceberg. You probably have a lot more questions on actually how do I implement those things into my own life? Well, this is the solution. Joining us inside the private Facebook group Go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash powerful passionate where I go live weekly to answer any questions that you have and continue to put more resources for you to help you to get to that point. You can be both powerful and passionate where you're no longer working on any mundane work and truly focusing on the things that matter. You can be both powerful and passionate where you can overcome any mental roadblocks keeping you from success. You can be both powerful and passionate where you feel energized from the moment you woke up to the time you go to bed. Join me and together we can create a life where you can be both powerful and passionate.